You are listening to the teaching ministries of Southwest Church, located in the heart of Springboro, Ohio, at 150 Remick Boulevard, beside the Kaufman Family YMCA. Please visit our website at www.southwestchurch.org. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Senior Minister Roger Hendricks. Isn't it great to know that hope came down? Thanks for doing a great job. That's, that's awesome. Well, throughout this uh, series of messages here at Southwest this month, we've been talking about all I want for Christmas. And uh, we've looked at various characters within the Christmas story and focused on the amazing attributes that they demonstrated and that they brought to the Christmas story. We looked at the magnificent joy of Mary, the awestruck wonder of the shepherds, the remarkable peace promised by the angels. And last weekend, we looked at the noble love demonstrated by Joseph. Now, if you missed any of those messages, you can listen online at our website or our podcast. But here's the good news. All of these attributes can be ours through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and through God's Spirit being at work to change us. And it's our heart's desire that this Christmas season that you will deeply want to add to the list that maybe you've had in the past, but have on your list this Christmas season to see God bring into your life joy, peace, wonder, love. And this Christmas Eve, we're going to be talking about how hope has come down. And through Jesus Christ, we can add hope to that list. And in many ways, with the culture that we live in this generation, I think hope is, a, is something that we, we desperately need. Hope is something that I hope you are clinging to this Christmas season. And I hope that this, because of this message, you'll come to understand the hope that's available for you in maybe a, a fresh new way. You know, hope is one of those words that, that's kind of, we, we throw around, we see it praised throughout the Bible, and yet, yet it's hard to define. What does it really mean? I think for many of us, when we say hope, really what we mean is just wishful thinking. But the, the biblical definition of hope is, is much deeper than that. And the best definition I've ever come across to define hope is that to truly have biblical hope is that you have expectant desire. You see, to truly qualify as hope, there needs to be both ingredients, both this sense of expectation, but also a sense of desire. Let me give a few, a couple brief examples in my life how that, that both ingredients are needed for it to be hope. You see, some of you are just really good at picking out that Christmas present for that special person in your life, maybe your spouse. And for those of you who are married to someone that's really good at picking out that special Christmas present every year, be grateful because I'm not one of those people. It seems like I mess up every year when it comes to getting that Christmas present for Jane. I really try. I really want to do a good job. Uh, I, I wouldn't say I hope to mess up because I, I don't. 
But the truth of it is, it seems like I always get the wrong size or the wrong uh, fragrance of perfume or, or something that's out of style. You know, just, I just don't seem to have that knack. And yet, I'm pretty certain if, if God blesses us with another 30 plus years of marriage that, that although I don't desire to mess up, I expect I'll probably mess up along the way. But I wouldn't describe that I hope to mess up. You see, I, I expect it, but I don't desire it. Now, on the other hand, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. And I've been a Reds fan my whole life. Growing up in southern Indiana, I rooted the Reds on. And uh, as I think about this coming year, I wouldn't say that I hope they win the World Series. Now, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see them have a great year. I'd love to see them make the playoffs. I'd love to see them go to the World Series and win and become, you know, world champions. But based on some recent trades and free agency, I don't really expect that to happen. So I wouldn't say I hope, not in a biblical sense. And yet when I think about that, that word hope, there is something I really do have hope in, a number of things. But one is that I really hope and believe that God is going to be at work in the life of this church in some pretty profound ways in this coming year. You see, not only do I desire that, but based on what I see at work and how I see God working the lives of people here, I expect it. You see, that's, that's hope. It has both expectation and desire. In the Christmas story, we're introduced to two fascinating characters that demonstrate this true biblical hope. In fact, unfortunately, oftentimes we quit reading the Christmas story around Luke 2 verse 20. And we never get to these characters, and yet they're rich characters that we want to learn from them, how we can add hope to our list this Christmas season. The first of these two characters is a guy named Simeon. And let's read what the Bible had to say about him in Luke 2, verse 25. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God. Now, we're going to see in just a moment what he said when he was praising God. But let's just pause there for a moment. Can you imagine being in Simeon's shoes? Can you imagine how cool it would be not just to hear of the baby Jesus, not even just to see him, but to actually hold him in your arms? Now, that would have been awesome. And who doesn't love holding Babies. I mean, babies are, now, honestly, I get a little nervous when they're real young, but as they get older and sturdier, I feel more confident to hold them. And, and by the way, I just happen to have a picture of a baby in our life. Uh, my wife and I are holding babies again. This is our youngest granddaughter, Erin. And, and uh, by the way, I just think she has two of the most kissable cheeks, you know. And, 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 but as much as I love holding and being around my granddaughters, it would have been awesome 
to be able to see the baby Jesus and to be able to be like Simeon and actually hold him. Because in many ways, if you think about it, Simeon is embracing hope because hope has come down. Jesus embodies what it means to be hope in the flesh. He, he was the promised Messiah that the Jewish people had been waiting for centuries to come. Simeon had personally been eagerly waiting for the Messiah, and he had been promised that he would see the Messiah in his lifetime. In fact, for, for there to be true hope, there needs to be a healthy sense of waiting. You see, he had been waiting expectantly. Now, we live in a time and culture that we don't always do a good job of waiting. I've shared before, but personally, I struggle with waiting, whether it be in the checkout line in the grocery store or if I'm in traffic behind an overly cautious driver. Sometimes I struggle with waiting. I sometimes even struggle in waiting, just waiting for my baked potato to, to finish being baked in the microwave. And you think about that, how ridiculous that is with all of our modern conveniences. But we struggle with waiting. For the children in the crowd, some of you have been struggling as you wait to see what's in that package under the tree. Some of you are waiting to see maybe what even shows up tonight. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands if some of you have given in to that struggle of waiting and maybe you've tried to sneak a peek. Maybe you've tried to shake that present or try to figure out how heavy it is. I'm not going to ask the adults either if you've done that. And yet, seriously, parents, I, I wonder I wonder sometimes if we're missing out on opportunities to teach our children the value of waiting. Sometimes we do our children an injustice when we give them everything they want and when they want it, as opposed to instilling in them the value of learning to wait and learning to develop real hope. The Bible says in Romans 8, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You see, there's value in waiting. I think far too often in the midst of waiting, we can give up on hope. We can give up in hopelessness and lose out waiting to see what God is up to. I like what one author and pastor recently said, disappointment is not the enemy of hope. Disappointment is the doorway to a deeper hope. I like that. On this Christmas Eve, have you been wrestling with maybe some disappointment in your life? Maybe you've been kind of down about that. What I want to encourage you on this Christmas Eve is to, to view this not as a time to give up hope or to see hope erode in your life, but instead to look at whatever situation you might find yourself in that maybe is tough right now and view this as, the, as we just finished saying as a doorway for a deeper hope. You see, at times in our life when we sense hopelessness, it's in those times that we begin to realize we can't put our hope in people or things or stuff or even at times ourselves. Possibly this year, you've been 
truly disappointed because maybe someone you'd put hope in has let you down. Or maybe you had had great hope in a career or a position or a company, but then it's not been so certain lately what the future might hold. You see, it's in times of uncertainty that God is at work to help us find a hope that's real and unending, a hope that, as the Bible says, can truly be an anchor for our soul. Do you have that kind of hope? As a church, our concern is that far too many people, even within driving distance of this building, are missing out on this real hope that we're describing this weekend. In fact, this year, earlier this fall, we developed a 2020 vision statement, a a vision statement that we're going to really be focusing on the next three years of being that church that's intentional about bridging the gap to those without Jesus so that no one has to live without hope. You see, here at Southwest, we're so grateful for the hope that Jesus brings to our lives. We want to make sure that we share that hope with others. In fact, to drive that point home, uh, next weekend on New Year's Eve, we're going to be kicking off a a five-week series where we just talk about what does it mean to be hopeful? What does it mean to experience this hope that only Jesus Christ can bring? We hope you'll come and be with us as we learn more about this hope that came down. Simeon had held on eagerly waiting to see the hope that the Messiah would bring. And here he is holding the baby Jesus in his arms. And this is what he says in praise to God. In verse 29, he says, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon points out in this praise to God that the baby he is holding is truly the Messiah and that God is going to reveal himself to all people. You see, in Simeon's day and in our day today, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of misunderstandings about who God is and is he a God that we can trust? And there's a lot of questions out there. Here's the good news. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came from heaven to earth to reveal God to us. He came to earth so that we can know for certain that God loves us and he cares for us and he has a plan for our life and he wants to work in our life and he wants to empower us. And we learn all that from from seeing and witnessing and reading about the life of Jesus. As we keep reading, Simeon talks more about this hope he's holding in his arms In verse 33, he says, Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, the child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and the sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon pointed out that not only does 
this, this baby that would grow up to be Jesus of Nazareth, not only would he reveal God to people, but he would also reveal people's hearts to them. He says that, that even Mary will have her heart revealed. And in the excitement of her with the, this blessed child, Simeon tells her that later she'll experience sadness and pain as she will see that many people in this world would not respond to her son, to God's son, in a favorable way. You see, although God sent his son into our world, not everyone received him. Not everyone experienced the hope that he came to bring. My concern is even in the crowd today, that there are some who've never really responded to the one who came from heaven to earth, the one that Simeon held in his arms. And in many ways, the most important question for each of us to ask ourselves this Christmas Eve is is not simply are you and I honoring the baby Jesus, but are we allowing the teachings of the grown-up Jesus to impact our lives and our hearts. You see, Simeon is telling Mary and he's telling us that although at times it's not going to be easy to be a Jesus follower, it's worth it. And if you and I will allow Jesus' teachings to really impact our hearts, to really reveal what's there, maybe what needs to be fixed, then at the end of the day, we're going to find a real foundation for life. We're going to find that real anchor for hope for our soul. There's one more person that we want to look at briefly, one more character in the Christmas story that tells us a little bit more about this hope. It's a character named Anna. I love that name. In fact, one of our daughters is named Anna. Let's pick up the reading in verse 36 and let's learn what we can learn about hope from Anna. Anna, a prophet, was also there in the temple, and she was very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years. Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. She came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph. And she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who'd been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. I think it's interesting to note in this story that God continually reveals himself to people who are searching, to people who are earnestly seeking to those who are waiting expectantly for God to show up in their life and they're longing for that. Jesus would later promise that if we seek, we'll find. Here's another question I want to ask you this Christmas Eve. Are you really seeking God in your life? Are you really going through life expecting and anticipating that God's going to show up in some powerful ways to be at work in your life so that He can maybe bring healing, but also so that he can work through you to help others. You see, I believe that 
if we resolve nothing else this Christmas Eve, but maybe to resolve that we're going to be true seekers after God. We're going to long for this hope that came down to be given birth in our life, and we're going to seek God with all of our heart. You see, it's one thing to seek God a couple times a year, but it's another thing to seek Him every day and to seek Him throughout the year. Anna is an example of someone who was invested in seeking God. The text says that she worshiped, she prayed, she fasted, she never left the temple. Now, I'm not sure if that means that she actually had an apartment in the temple courts. Some think that she did. Or maybe Luke was just conveying that Anna was totally invested in seeking God and how he was at work in the Jewish community, all surrounded there around the temple. You see, God not only sent his son to this earth, but but he also had a plan. He had a design for those who would receive him to form a community. We call that the church. And it seems to me that we can learn from Anna that God is at work in people who are living out their faith in a real way as they're living it out in community. So we look for ways over and over again here at Southwest to encourage people, not just to settle for the weekend worship experience, but to really learn what it means to to live out their life in community with other believers. That's why here at Southwest, we talk a lot about small groups. And we encourage everyone that worships here to find a small group during the week that you can meet with other believers. And, and because we believe it's in that small group environment that you can really experience hope, that you can see God at work changing other people, that you can talk about practically what does it mean to put into practice Jesus' teachings so that he can break through in your life in fresh new ways. You see, it's in community that God so often shows up and works in a powerful way. You know, because we believe that so firmly, we even wanted to announce at our Christmas Eve service that we're going to provide an opportunity in just a couple weeks for people that are new to Southwest to, to get better connected with others. So we're going to have a connection lunch in two weeks from today. And we want to invite you, if you're new to Southwest, Plan on coming to that so that you can find out more about small groups and how you can experience community in the life of the church here. You see, Anna was invested. And when we invest ourselves in what God is doing and how God's plan, then we'll see God work in our lives as well. Well, Anna was excited because the one that she had longed to see had come. The one who had come to rescue. The one that she had been waiting expectantly. I'm not sure what Simeon and Anna really thought they might see as they had been waiting for the Messiah. Many of their contemporaries were expecting a conquering king, a a political leader, a military hero to come and rescue them. But instead, what Simeon and Anna found was a baby. They were introduced to the Messiah when he was still an infant. Have you ever noticed that God sometimes fulfills our hopes in unexpected ways? 
It's sometimes in those holy surprises that God reveals himself to us and shows up surprisingly in such a way to rescue us or give us a new insight or new understanding so that we can have this real lasting hope we're talking about this weekend. Recently here in the building here at Southwest, I was caught off guard by surprise of something I didn't see coming. Now, let me just back up a little bit. This has been a good year for us as a church. We added on to our building. We called it phase two. We've got a children's wing, and then we revamped what used to be our children's wing into a student wing, and we're real excited about how God had blessed us. And And, and I've been pleasantly very pleased to see how, uh, how that's been decorated and designed, and I just want to uh, let you know I had nothing to do with that because I'm not good at decorating and designing. Okay, just like buying presents, I'm not good at decorating, designing, and and because of that, uh, in fact, if you're if you're not convinced that that's true, go check out my office. You'll see I'm not good at decorating, but but there are many talented people here that are good at that, and I'm grateful for that. And so I've just learned to just enjoy as things come up and see how it all plays out. But there was something that happened a couple months ago that kind of took me back as. In one of the children's classrooms where the fourth and fifth graders typically meet, all of a sudden, this logo appeared on the wall. Now, I knew what that logo was. I knew that represented Superman, but I didn't see that coming. And I was kind of surprised when all of a sudden, a Superman logo showed up on the wall. Now, this was where my trust in those that were designing and decorating was tested a little bit. I thought, mm, you know, is, is that really what we want to be putting up on the classroom? But I thought, I don't want to be that old fuddy-duddy that speaks out against stuff like this. So I thought, I'm not going to say anything. But I, in my heart, I wondered, is Batman going to show up on the other wall? Maybe some characters from Star Wars. I don't know. I mean, what's, what's going on here? But I just thought, I'm going to wait. I'm going to be silent. I'm going to wait and see what happens. And then about several weeks later, all of a sudden, these two letters popped up on the, on the wall as well. Now, I heard later that some of the fourth grade boys said, who's G and who's us, okay? Maybe they hadn't quite put it together. Kind of like me, they hadn't quite put it together yet. That this, And, you know, what the teachers were trying to communicate is, is they're looking, as young boys and girls are looking for heroes, we want to make sure the hero of the children that grow up here is Jesus, Someone also pointed out to me, and I didn't know this, that that, that logo that's got S doesn't stand for Superman, that it's actually a symbol on the planet Krypton for hope. And I thought that's pretty appropriate, what we're talking about this weekend. But because I don't speak Kryptonese, I didn't know that. But, uh, but you see, our, our teachers wanted our kids to know that Jesus is the one that they should look to. You see, God, God's always at work. Sometimes we just have to sit back and trust and wait and see how it unfolds. And God shows up sometimes in unexpected ways. For example, we might think that the Messiah of the world would come swooping in with a cape like Superman or that he'd be some political leader that, that has great military strength. But instead, how does God show up on this planet? came as a baby. God's power was revealed 
through the weakness of a human baby. And here's the application for us. When we're willing to humble ourselves and acknowledge our sin and acknowledge our human weakness and even admit to God some of the disappointments in our heart, then and only then are we at the right posture to see God's strength be displayed in our lives and God's power to be seen in the midst of our own weakness. Here at Southwest, every weekend, we close out our times of worship with a time of communion. And we're going to do so again today. We've got a little different setup. We've got six stations that we're inviting you to go to one of the six stations. And during this time of communion, let's give thanks that God chose to reveal himself not as a caped superhero, or as a worldly king who entered Jerusalem in a chariot or on a tank. Instead, we worship a Lord and Savior who came in the form of a weak, vulnerable human baby. And he lived out his life on this earth in a very humble manner. And he would later enter Jerusalem on a colt of a donkey, not a tank. And then he would willingly be crucified at the hands of those who would ridicule him and reject him. And yet in the midst of that weakness, God was at work. And in the midst of that which at first seemed bad, God's power was ultimately revealed by overcoming hate and rejection, sin and even death. Because on the third day, the one that was crucified, came back from the dead. And he's alive today so that we could have truly unending hope. Let's remember the one who came as a baby, but the one who grew up that died on a cross for us during this time of communion. We want to invite you to take a piece of bread and be reminded of the body of Jesus Christ, that he was real. And then dip it in the juice and be reminded of the love and sacrifice that he demonstrated and made for each and every one of us. And let's allow this time to be a time that God renews our hope in him and how he's working in our lives. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening to Southwest Church Teaching Ministries. We are a community of people committed to following Jesus and making disciples. Please join us for one of our three weekly gatherings, Saturdays at 5.30 p.m., Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11.15 a.m.